Well, good morning. Um, it's easy for Dr. Ray to, I think he was thinking about Charbel and he saw me and he realized I wasn't Charbel. Other than the fact that we go to the same barber and the same gym, we don't really look anything um, alike, but, um, but no. Um, it's a privilege to be able to be here this morning and I'm looking forward to continuing our series as we talk about Love Illuminated. Um, this past Friday night, my wife and I uh, participated in the, um, the Palm Beach, the marathon of the Palm Beaches, the Palm Beach Marathon, um, not the marathon part, that happened this morning. We did the 5K, and um, we were there, and we'd gone through the registration process, and there's really, there weren't really any instructions, like, this is where you're supposed to go, and this is where we're going to start, and this is what time you're going to start, and all that. And so we're kind of just milling around, just kind of wandering around, trying to figure out, what are we supposed to do? And Amy kept saying, why don't you go ask somebody where we're supposed to go? Why don't you go ask somebody where we're supposed to go? And, and at that point, most recently, the reality came into my mind and the fact that men and women are different. Did you know that? Do you know men and women are different? Um, and one of the differences is men don't ask for directions. That's right. Somebody, I heard somebody say that. That's right. Men don't ask for directions. If we're driving along, we're not lost. We're just taking the long way to get there, Right? You know, we're not, we know exactly where we're going. We're just not in a hurry today. That's all that matters. We refuse to stop and ask for directions. About 10 years ago, a study was done in the United Kingdom. An insurance company did a study, and they found that men, on average, drive 276 more miles than women in a year because they refuse to stop and ask for directions. That's funny to think of, but in the long term, it's not very good because they played that out over the course of a person's driving life, and that comes out to $3,100 over the course of a lifetime because you refuse to stop and ask for directions. That's crazy, isn't it? Pride has a pretty high price, but that's a different message for a different day. But when you think about it, you think about the whole idea of getting directions. Um, growing up in Indiana, we used to come to Florida on spring break, and we, had, we would all load up in the brown Woody station wagon, and, and, and you remember the Woody station wagons? Yeah, we had one of those, and we'd get in there, and, and, and that was back in the day when you could go to AAA, you could tell them where you were going, and they would give you a trip tick. And it was just, it was on a spiral thing. You just turned one page at a time, and wherever you were, you'd per- When you're going straight south on the highway, for us, it was nothing but a green line down the middle of the page. You just kept turning the page and turning the page. But it was a big deal to us kids because we thought we were helping. Um, but the reality is, we were just looking at the directions, page by page. After we, we kind of graduated from the triptych, you know, you got, you buy the Rand McNally Atlas map, and you could go in there, and you always had, wherever you were, you could find it. If you had trouble on the highway, you could navigate another way based on the directions that were there. But we would never stop and ask for directions. And as, as time evolved, you got into MapQuest, and then Google produced maps, and then the smartphone came along. And, and on, the, on the iPhone, it had a Maps app. And um, regardless of whether or not it's a good app or not, you could also get the Google Maps, which I use. It's a pretty good app. But you always had something that could show you where you were supposed to go. You, you could put in your current location and the location you wanted to go to, and it would give you steps on how to get there. In fact, it would give you multiple options on how to accomplish what you were trying to accomplish. At one time, Apple went through, and as they were launching the App Store, they had a series of commercials that said, there's an app 
for that. And people would be going through different things, and they were trying to do this, like, man, I don't know what, I'm, I don't know what kind of tip I'm supposed to leave. Well, there's an app for that, and, and it would help you do that. Or, I don't know, um, well, what are the scores of yesterday's games? Um, well, there's an app for that. And they would go through and say, there's an app for that. Wouldn't it be awesome if in life there was an app for that? Like, no matter what circumstance you were going through, you could just pull out your phone and open up the app, and boom, it would be done, right? Like, if you're a student, could you imagine finish homework app. Yeah, there's an app for that. That would be awesome. Let me just hit a button. Or um, it's like my wife said, for me personally, if there was an app for, you know, like ironing your shirt app, you know, you could just hit that and your shirt would be ironed or whatever. Could you imagine if there was an app for that? Or, Or maybe even more complex issues, like you're in a difficult relationship and you don't know how to get out of it. You don't know what you're supposed to do. If you could just hit a button and there'd be an app for that that would show you how to navigate the waters of a relationship. Maybe um, you're trying to pick up the pieces of bad choices from our past and we're trying to figure out how to move forward. Wouldn't it be easier in life if there was an app that just taught us and showed us what we're supposed to do when we make bad choices? Life would be so much better if there was an app for that. So many times we're in the middle of circumstances that we don't fully understand and we want to know what's going on. It'd be nice if there were an app for that. Sometimes we have questions about where we want to go and how do we get there. And I, I know what the dreams are in my heart and I know what I want to accomplish in my life, but I don't know how to do it. Wouldn't it be nice if there was an app for that? The reality is, is you're not going to pull out your phone. You're not going to hit a button and it's going to show you exactly what you can do. But there is something we're going to look at today that might be a little harder than a phone, but still relatively accessible, relatively simple, that can show us how to navigate the waters of life. This morning we continue our series called Love Illuminated. And as we look at this series, Love Illuminated, we're considering the Advent and everything that goes along with the Advent season. And Peter and Emily opened up our service this morning by sharing and lighting the candle and reading from John chapter 1, talking about the fact that the light has come into the darkness and how John the Baptist testified to this light that came at a very dark time. The Advent celebrates the coming of Christ and how God demonstrated his love to us by sending his son Jesus to this world. And as we think about his love and we think about how he sent his light, that's where we get the whole idea of love illuminated. In the person of Jesus, we see the light of God come to become a reality and live among us. So today, while last week... (coughs) Excuse me, sorry. Last week we looked at the fact that light gives life. This week we're looking at the fact that light gives us direction. Light shows us where we are to go. Light points the way of the direction we should be headed. We're all drawn towards light. In fact, whether it's a person or not, I think about these trees that we have on the west side of our house. And these trees grow up, and as soon as they get to the roof line, They bend towards the east, and they start going that direction. Well, why is that? Because as they grow, they want to get the most light possible, so they grow toward the light. They're drawn toward the light. You and I are the same way. The way we're wired and the way we're created and and, and the type of person that we are, we are attracted to the light. It illuminates our path, and it shows us the direction we should go. Matter of fact, I'm going to try and illustrate this by doing a a small experiment, if I could. 
um, I'm going to, in a minute, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, and I'm going to um, just ask you to squeeze them as tightly closed as you can and just keep them closed. And then I'm going to count down from five, five, four, three, two, one, and then I'm going to ask you to open up your eyes. And we're going to do an experiment this morning to see the impact that light has in our lives. So can I get everybody in here to close your eyes? Go ahead, close your eyes. This isn't, this isn't cheesy. No one's going to steal your wallet. You're okay. I'm looking. I can wait for you. Close your eyes. Squeeze them as tight as you can. For five, four, three, two, one. Now open your eyes. Question. Where did your eyes go when you opened them? To the candles. To the candles. Now, what was interesting is, is if you were listening to me and if you were paying attention, I was standing all the way over here when you closed your eyes. And I'm standing over here on this side of the stage and you were focused on me and you closed your eyes. And, and, and in the brain, you should have opened your eyes and tried to refocus where you previously were. But the reality is, is that the light, the only real light that you can see was over here. And so your eyes were drawn this way. Why is that? Because we're drawn to the light. We want the light in our lives. We need the light in our lives. It directs us and shows us the direction we should go. And that's why, you, you guys can go ahead and bring the lights back up. And that's why in our lives, we look for the light because we're drawn to it. In the times in our lives when things are dark, in the times in our lives when we can't see and we can't seem to figure out what's going on, in the times in our lives when we want and need direction, light can point us that way. Light can put us the direction we need to go. And this morning we want to take some time in looking at that. As we think about the Advent and how the light has come, how does that light give us direction in our lives? If you have a Bible or a tablet or phone, whatever, I would encourage you to, to, to turn to the Bible and turn to the Gospel according to John. And this morning we're going to be right in the first chapter and the first verse as we look at, at, at the book of John. And John was a, a disciple and a follower of Christ. He was on the inner circle with James and Peter. And these three guys knew Jesus very, very well. And John wrote a gospel recording some of the events and stories and conversations that Jesus had. And the whole point of the gospel of John is so that people would know Christ and would believe that he is who he says he is. And he opens right from the very beginning, setting that thesis out. To be shown. In John chapter 1 and verse 1, notice what John writes. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Right there in the first verse, we have more than you could ever even imagine. And so, what I want to do is, I want to take some time to break it down, and I want to look at it. I want us to dissect this a little bit and make some observations based on what John writes about this Word. In the beginning, the first thing that he opens up with is, in the beginning. Notice that he doesn't say, in the beginning something was created. In the beginning, in the beginning this came about. He says, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning. That means before everything else, he is pre-existent. He already existed. There's no beginning to this Word. In fact, this Word was already in place. In the beginning was the Word. You think about it, if you show up someplace and they're already there, you say, oh, you're already here. That's what John is saying about this word. And what is this word? The, the second thing on there, in the beginning, the word. The word is the Greek word logos, and it means 
word, whether it's a spoken word or a written word. It literally means word. What's interesting, though, is that John chooses to capitalize and and make a, a priority of this word logos as he looks at it. And so the next two phrases I want to put up there together at the same time. He says, this word was with God, and this word was God. Now, you have to understand that in this sentence, John has just unloaded a whole bunch. He is basically saying that this word, whatever or whoever this word is, was not only preexistent, but he was with God, and yet he was also God himself. How does that work? How is is it possible that you can be with somebody, and yet at the same time, you are that somebody? This is where we begin to understand and see a little bit about the, the, the theological idea of the Trinity of God. Maybe you've heard that phrase before, where you've heard someone talk about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God. One person, three distinct personalities, three different roles, three different functions, working together, equally God, equally important, equally powerful as God, but each has his own personality. That's what John is showing us here with this word. This word was with God, separate from God the Father in his personality, but he was God, so he's equal to and is in fact God himself. So who is this word? Who is this word or what is this word that is equal with God? If you go down and you look in John chapter 1 and verse 14, if you fast forward a little bit, it says, And the word, logos, and this word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. A little bit ago, Peter read about John the Baptist in verse 15. It says, John, this John the Baptist, bore witness about him. This word became flesh. This is God coming to the earth. That's what the Advent is all about. Advent literally means the coming or the arrival. That's why we light a candle and remember during this season... The Word is God stepping out of heaven and choosing to dwell amongst us. O come all ye faithful, song we, a song we just sang a little bit ago, talks about the Word of God becoming flesh and dwelling among us. That's what we're looking at when we see what John is telling us here at the beginning. Ultimately, it's this, that Jesus is the Word. The conclusion that we can walk away with in this first verse of John chapter 1 is Jesus is the Word. That's an important idea, an important concept, because sometimes we think of the Word as whether it's words on a computer screen or words that you speak or words that are texted, um, whatever it may be, but this is the Word is a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. But the scriptures also let us know something else about the word and the importance of the word. Now I want you to turn, if you would, to the Old Testament, the book of Psalms. If you turn to the middle of your Bible and maybe a little bit to the left, you're going to come across the book of Psalms. It's a collection of songs that are written um, for a lot of different reasons. Psalm, we're going to be looking at Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is considered to be the longest chapter in all of the Bible. Um, It has, I think, over 150 verses in it. And we're going to take time this morning to look at each verse in depth, word for, word for, just kidding. 
Um, we're going to focus on Psalm 119, verse 105, as it talks about the Word of God. And notice what the psalmist writes. He says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, when the psalmist writes this, what exactly is he talking about? The first thing he says is, Your Word. It's a possessive pronoun, your. Okay? If I said this is yours, that means it's yours. So when the psalmist says your word, whose word is he talking about? Whose word is he actually referring to when he says your word? The answer is it's God's word. That's who he's talking about. When he says it is your word, he's talking about the fact that it is God's word. Now, in in Hebrew, the the word word is a word, D-A-B-A-R, dabar, translated, the old, the old is, is Hebrew, translated in the New Testament to Greek, the word is logos. Interesting that it would be the same word that John used to communicate in talking about the word. And so here you have, you know that the psalmist is talking about the written word, but also maybe there's a double reference, talking about the word as in the person. What does he say about this word? He says, your word is a lamp. Now, what does a lamp do? It gives light, right? You know, all these lamps and all these lights, they give off light. They illuminate. They give us light to shine in the darkness. So a lamp illuminates. And what does he say the lamp illuminates? Does your lamp is a, is it, your word is a lamp to my feet. Now, when he talks about feet, what exactly do you think he's talking about? Feet. It's deep stuff today. Really, really deep, Okay. He's talking about your feet. Why is that? Because a lamp, when you think about a lamp, a lamp lights the area right around it. A lamp doesn't project forward. A lamp lights its immediate area. And so when he says that it's a lamp, he's saying that his word, this word, shows the way around my feet. It gives light to whatever's immediately around me. Because then he goes on to say, your word is a lamp unto my feet, but he says it's also a light to my path. What does a light do? Same thing a lamp does. It illuminates. It provides light. So the light illuminates. And this time, excuse me, this time the psalmist says that he lights the path. What's the path? That's where I'm headed. That's where I'm going. So the lamp shows me where I am and the light shows me where I'm going. Ultimately, the conclusion we can make here out of this psalm is the Word, your Word, it gives light to our life. The Word gives light to our life. As we talk about love illuminated and we talk about the light that is in our lives and last week that it gave life, this week we can see that it gives light to our life. The Word lights up that which is around us. And to illustrate this this morning, I want to just use an object lesson if I could. I have here with me a lamp which works. That's great. That's positive. I have a lamp, but I also have a light, which also works. You know, I was told never shine, you know, never shine directly. Somebody in the sound booth is shining a flashlight right back at me right now. It's funny. Um, So I got you, Mike. There you go. But you see, they both work, right? The lamp, what is it good for? It's going to light what's immediately around me. I'm going to be able to see maybe what's over here, however I go here, but it's going to be pretty much wherever I stand and whatever I do. I can lift it up 
and kind of extend the, the throw of the light, but it's really just going to show me what's immediately around me. The flashlight, on the other hand, it's going to show me what's over there. I'm going to be able to shine it backstage and see what's going on there. I can light up the path, and I know what's going on over there. If the lights go out, the lamp will be good to show me here, but this will show me where I need to go. And the psalmist writes the fact that God's Word is both of these. He shows us what's close to us, and He shows us what's far away. Now, how does that translate to our everyday lives? Well, here's what it is. God is saying that my Word, His Word, is a lamp. God's Word will help us understand what's around us, our current circumstances, what we're going through, how we're living life. You want to know what's going on and how to interpret the events? What are the circumstances in your life? And you want to know, I can't, I can't seem to make sense of it. it doesn't, I'm in a dark spot and I need to be able to see what's going on. I, I need it to be lit up. That's what a lamp does. A lamp will help us interpret our current situation and our current circumstances. The light, on the other hand, we may say, okay, now I understand my current circumstances because of the lamp, but how do I get out of here? Where do I go? How do I know where I'm supposed to go? That's what a light does. A light shows us, yeah, I can understand my current circumstances, but this light will now show me the path that I need to go on. It projects forward, and it shows me that these current circumstances are what they are, but that's where I need to go. These current circumstances and, and, and the relationships that I'm in are one way, but that's where I need to go, up there. And this light will show me how to do that. If the lights go out right now, you know, this lamp will help you, but it won't show you how to get out of here. You'll need a light to show you how to get out of a dark place. And so the psalmist is saying that your word will bring light to your current circumstances, but the, your word will also show you where to go and show you how to get there. I'm sure that at some point in our lives, no matter what we're in or what we're going through, there have been instances and moments when we wish, we wish that we were able to better understand what was going on around us. There are probably times that even when we understand what's going on around us, we wish that we knew how to move forward in light of those circumstances. God says, that's what my word does. It is both to show you the present, but also to show you the future. It'll point you in the direction you should go. So what's the application for today? If we understand that, that this is the light, that Jesus comes into the world, that he is the light and that he brings the darkness, if we understand that Jesus is the word and we understand that God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, what's the application for us? What do we need to do? The first thing we need to, know, the first thing we need to do is this. We need to get to know the word. Get to know the word. And you notice up on the screen, that's with a capital W. Just like John did. We're talking about the person of Jesus. Get to know the Word. Now, in your relationships, in your friendships, and even um, in your family, how do you get to know somebody else? You spend time with them. You talk to them. You listen to them. And over time, you get to know them better. And some of them, when you get to know them, you're like, I don't like you that much. See you later. And for their family, I don't like you that much. I'll see you at Christmas. But the reality is, is when you get to know somebody, you only can do that by spending time with them. That's how you do it. You talk to them. You listen to them. 
The same is true in a relationship with getting to know the word Jesus. By spending time with him, by talking to him and listening to him. You do that through prayer. That's what prayer is, having a conversation with God. Prayer is not, you know, writing your wish list to God and and submitting it for, for approval. Prayer is having a conversation with God, both talking and listening. And the more time you spend with him, the better you get to know him. I can pick out my phone right now and I could call my mother and I could say, hey, and she'll know exactly who it is. Besides caller ID, she would recognize my voice and know exactly who it is. Simply because I said, hey, why is that? Because she would recognize my voice. Now I could call a stranger and say the exact same thing. Hey, and they'd be like, who is this? Leave me alone. Why? Because they don't know me. They don't recognize me. They aren't familiar with me because I've not spent time with them. Jesus tells his disciples, his followers, he says, if you know me, you'll recognize my voice and I'll know you. You see, that's what it means when I say get to know the word. I'm talking about spending time in prayer with Jesus. The second thing that we can do today to, 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 um, to grow in the whole idea of what we're talking about today is to get to know the word. Now you say, well, that seems to be redundant. It's either a really important point that he's saying twice or it's something different. B, it's something different. Notice that this one's not capitalized. Not out of a lack of respect, but just the reality is, is I'm making a distinction between getting to know the word person, Jesus, and getting to know the word scripture, what God has given to us. How God has spoken to us. He revealed himself in the form of Jesus the Son. He also reveals himself in the form of his scripture. The words that he has given to us to study, to read, to learn, to meditate on. Sometimes we may have this hard thing of, I can't hear, I don't know, how do you discern what's him and what's not? Go to this. Go to this, and this will show you. The Bible says to, to meditate on it. I don't know if any of you are, have grew up around livestock or have ever been around it, but the same Hebrew word used for meditate is also used for ruminate. Does anybody know what ruminate is? Have you ever heard the phrase, cows chew the cud? Okay, I'm not going to get into a lot of details of it, but cows basically eat once, and it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's the gift that keeps on giving all day long. And they chew the cud. That's what it means to ruminate and to meditate upon the Scriptures, is to take it in and then think about it, process it, and work on it all day long throughout the day. It's that whole ingestion so we know it better. That's what it means getting to know the word. If there's one main thing I want you to walk away with today, it's this. As we talk about light gives direction. The one main thing I want you to know is this, is that God's word guides us. Both the person Jesus and the written word, the Bible. God's word guides us. It doesn't matter where you are, he can help you interpret your current circumstances. It doesn't matter what your hopes are and what your dreams are and, 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 and what situation you're trying to overcome. God's word will point you in that direction. Both Jesus and his written word, the Bible. Paul writes it this way in 2 Timothy chapter 3. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul says this. Paul says, all scripture, the Bible, all scripture is breathed out by God. That means it comes directly from him. And it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, 
and for training in righteousness, that the man and woman of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. That's a pretty all-encompassing statement, right? There's not much outside of that that we would pursue. It, tell, it tells us what we should do. It tells us how we should do it. It provides correction when we're off course, and it tells us how to do good things. If we were able to figure all that out, we'd be doing pretty well. And Paul says, that's why God has given us his word, to be able to do those things. The scriptures will be able to answer every question you could have. Now you say, really? Can the scripture tell me what I'm supposed to have for breakfast in the morning? The scripture's not going to say, yeah, have a plain bagel toasted with cream cheese on the side. It's not going to tell you that. But the scripture will tell you how to take care of your body. The scripture will tell you how to maintain a healthy temple. Will the scripture tell me whether I'm supposed to stay with this guy or, or leave him in the dirt and move on? The scripture's not going to tell you one way or the other, but the scripture will tell you what kind of relationships we should have what kind of value we should place on other people. Will the Scripture tell me um, where I'm supposed to go to find a job? No, the Scripture may not tell you exactly where to apply for a job, but it will tell you how to act ethically and honestly. It will reveal to you a heart that God blesses and a life that God honors. You see, the Scriptures can help us live in such a way and give us principles where we know how to answer those questions more readily. It gives us the tools to help us live our life. Because the truth is this, is that light gives direction. Light gives direction. We saw last week that light gives life. Today we see that light gives direction. Jesus is the light of the world. We light a candle to remember and to honor and to think about and symbolize the fact that we were dark in a dark place. We were stumbling around. And because of the light coming in, we can now move forward. We can now be in a place that we know what's going on and we can interpret our current circumstances, but we also know how to move forward and how to go forward in our lives because of the word, both Jesus and spoken word. You may be here today and this whole idea and this whole concept of getting to know Jesus is, is, is odd to you because you think, how can I get to know you know, a Jewish carpenter who lived 2,000 years ago, and this is just strange, and I don't know what this means. Getting to know Christ means this, is that you understand who He is and, and, and what He's done. God sent Him because we needed Him. You see, we were born in a condition where we were broken in our relationship and, 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 and our relationship with God because of the things we do. We miss the mark and we fail to live up to his standard and there's nothing we can do there's not a scale of good and bad and we can do enough good to overcome the bad only because of what jesus did for us can we be made right with god what did jesus do he was born he lived a sinless life and he died on a cross and my sin and my shame and my guilt and all the garbage that i do in my life was put upon him And all the garbage in all of our lives was placed on him. It was placed in a borrowed tomb, and three days later, he walked out alive and well and living today. And if we believe in our heart, and if we confess with our mouth, then we can have that relationship with him. We can introduce ourselves to him. He already knows who we are. He knows everything about us, but he longs to hear us talk to him. He longs to hear us 
Tell Him we love Him. He desires to have relationship with us. And you can do that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that you need Him, that you believe that He says that He is who He says He is, and that He loves you. And if you confess that and ask Him to come into your life and to leave everything that you know behind and everything that you are, you give to Him. and Everything you hope to be, you turn over to Him. Then He'll come in and turn your life around. It won't be easy, but it is simple. And so this morning, I want to invite you, if you've never done that, to consider that, to think about that. And if you have something stirring inside of you, I want to challenge you to think through the fact that that's God speaking to you right now already calling you to come into relationship with Him. Maybe you already had a relationship with Him. Maybe, maybe you've been in a place where you've grown, but maybe it's gotten dry, it's gotten stagnant, you aren't real sure what's going on. Today, recommit and refresh that relationship. Maybe you're looking at circumstances around you and you're trying to figure out what's going on and you can't fully understand it. Today, make a commitment to getting with the Word, Jesus, and in His Word, the Bible, to understand and interpret what's going on. Not only so you can interpret it, but so you can move forward in getting out of it and becoming all that He desires for you to be. Wherever you are and whatever you're going through, we can't do this on our own. So would you bow your heads as we ask God to help us this morning? With heads bowed and eyes closed, this morning just take some time right now to start that process of communicating with God, having a conversation with Him, and praying. If you're here today and you want to place your faith in Him, there's no set of magic words. It's really just the, the feeling of your heart. But just to confess Him as Savior, to ask Him to come into your life because you know you need salvation. Maybe you're here today and you want to commit to getting to know God better. You want to get into His Word and, and listen to His Word and study it. Take time now just to commit yourself to that. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, thank You for Your Word, both Jesus, the fact that You sent Him to die for us, that if we believe in Him, we can have eternal life. God, thank You for the privilege of that. God, thank You also for Your written Word, the Bible that gives us instruction and shows us how we can live a life that honors You. Lord, help us to, to get to know both better. Lord, for those who are here today who need to place their faith in You, Lord, give them the courage to walk across that line, to surrender everything that they have to you. And Lord, we ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.